This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hooray, we are live. Hi, this is my first live thing. This is very exciting. We're so excited to have Alexandra Merritt Matthews on with us today. Um, I'm Alice. I'm the social media manager for Jubilance. So welcome, everyone. Um, Thanks for watching and tuning in later. Um, And so Alexandra is a New York City actress, as well as a feminist activist. And we're going to be talking today about growing up as a woman, being an actress, entrepreneur, and um, as well as Alexandra fighting for women's rights. Hanging in there. <laughs> um, so welcome, Alexandra. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having Yay. me. This is great. I think this is a great platform to talk about issues that are still so important. Who would think in 2019 we would still have to be discussing these things? But yeah, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But here we'll we'll start with something fun. All right, like. let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to give you some things, and you just have to like give me your first answer. Okay. So right. rosé or champagne. Okay, neither, because I don't drink. I know. I'm I'm very crazy this way. I actually have never had alcohol, and I don't plan on ever drinking alcohol. Yeah. Wow. So neither, but I will say I love a sparkling cider or like a lemonade in the summer. I love that. Those are really refreshing. And I love sparkling water, which I'm drinking right now. So Perfect. (laughs) Um, Lipstick or lip gloss? Lipstick. Yeah, because the gloss, here's my actor mind, is like if I have to do a kissing scene later that day, the gloss is more of a problem. Oh, really? Why? Yeah. Well, because it gets on the other person. You know what, what I'm saying? Lipstick doesn't? It does, but they make better lipsticks that are more like tint, do you know? And oh. so it's less of a problem. There are, there are better long-lasting lipsticks that do less damage. I just look like <laughs> as sparkly as possible. Right. right. Yeah. But see, sparkly, it looks weird in the light, though, if you're being photographed. Oh, well, that's why I chose lipstick today. Well, I'm wearing a little bit of chapstick with a little gloss on top. So I'm <laughs> cheating today because I knew we didn't have to do anything crazy. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Reese's or M&M's? That's really common. Okay. Reese's. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Reese's. Also, I just recently tried these keto cups, which are like healthy Reese's. And they're made with monk fruit, and they're very good. Monk fruit? Monk yeah. Fruit. Yeah. No Check chocolate. that out. There, There is cacao, oh, if you will, okay. in it. Um, but they sell oh. them at some grocery stores. Yeah, oh. they're pretty good. Check oh. them out. Keto cups. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I realized I left the air conditioner on, so I'm going to oh, do yes. that so everyone can hear a little better. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> in the meantime, grab your sparkling water if you're joining Um, Okay, so a couple more. So tampon or pad? Neither. Because I use things. I use things. T-H-I-N-X. It's a very popular company that was started a few years ago. And they're underwear that you wear. You don't need a tampon or a pad at all for that. Really? Right. Does it feel okay? Yes. And you're not just like sitting in it? No. It's amazing. And it's so much better for the environment. And also, obviously, if I'm doing a show or if I'm going to an event where I have to wear an all-white gown or something, um, sometimes I will have to wear other things. I will have to use a tampon or a pad. But for the most part, if I can just use things, I do that. And you just 
and you wash them yeah, regularly? You, you wash them regularly. Wow. You can't wash them. It's basically the same as a pad or a tampon. You wear them for a certain amount of hours, you know. Yeah. It's a similar timeline. And they're so much better for the environment because the paper waste that comes from feminine hygiene products, if it's plastic in particular, like the container for tampons, for instance, that can take forever to decompose or it can never decompose. So it's a better alternative for the environment. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, I've seen yeah. those ads and like always been yeah, curious, but I like know. a little nervous. You should totally try so, it. I yeah. highly recommend it to everyone. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then what's always in your purse? My MTA card. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The subway card yeah. for New York. Can't live without it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, and so I want to get to know you a little more so sure. people can get to get to know who you are. Um, where are you from and what made you move here to New York City? Okay. Well, I am originally from Buffalo, New York, Go Bills. And I grew up there. And then I went to college for undergrad at the University of Chicago. So I moved to Chicago for college. And then my senior year, I ended up applying to graduate school and I got into a couple schools in New York. So I moved here and came to graduate school here. That's awesome. Yeah, so it'll be my four-year New York New York anniversary. People say, I think. Oh, it'll I've be never my, heard that. Yeah, it'll be my oh. four-year New York anniversary uh, next month, this August. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, what did you love most about Buffalo growing up there? Uh, the people. The people in Buffalo are incredibly special. It's called the City of Good Neighbors. That's our slogan, oh. and it couldn't be more true. It's a very large city. I think a lot of people don't realize it's actually the second largest city in New York, other than New York City. Oh, It's the oh, second wow. largest city in the state. It's almost half a million people. I mean, it's a very large city. And I think for some people, they think it's a quaint little town, which it isn't. But it does have a vibe of a quaint little town. There's oh. a joke in Buffalo that it's not six degrees of separation. It's usually like two or three. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's the people. And the food. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of food, can yeah. you tell me about those buffalo chicken wings? Are they really better in Buffalo? hundred percent. First okay. of all, it's so funny to me because nobody, we don't call them buffalo wings. Oh. And people in Buffalo don't call them that. So whenever I'm somewhere that isn't buffalo, people say, oh, do you want to get buffalo wings? I'm thinking, what? You mean chick chicken wings? Like, we just oh. call them chicken wings. So it's funny <laughs> to me. Um, but there is a war about who has the best chicken wings. Oh, buffalo. like different restaurants? Yes. It's like, really who true. invented them? Well, the anchor bar, the anchor bar invented that. Okay. Maria, who is the wife of the people who own that bar, the restaurant, invented them because they were running out of snacks at the bar, and she just made something um, to sort of keep the people at the bar happy and drinking. And she made these breaded chicken wings, and oh, the rest is history. Dream. So the anchor bar are the best. Those are the best ones. There's a war that some will say this place called Duff's is better, and it's not. I just want to be clear. I'm an anchor bar person. Okay, yeah. good. So if we ever go to Buffalo, or if any of you are from Buffalo, you the should anchor be bar. sure to try mm -hmm. anchor bar. We even have a location in the Buffalo airport. Wow. Mm -hmm. Get um, your wings to go. And can you talk about growing up in a household that was all females? Sure. Um, and, like, what was that experience like? Right. So it's, it's pretty unusual. It is unusual. Although, you know, I think by the time I was in middle school or high school, the statistics were that... I want to say something like 50 or 55% of people were being raised by a single parent mm -hmm. and mostly single moms. So um, while it felt unusual at times to be raised by a single mom, it actually wasn't in the grand scheme of the statistics in the U.S. and in the world. But um, my mom was a single mom. She was a, and still is a lawyer and had a very tough schedule. And I was very, very lucky that my grandparents served as basically 
extra parents. And I had a team of people picking me up from school, taking me to dance class, you know, getting me to my trombone lesson, that kind of thing. So it was a team effort, but definitely the two most influential people in my life were my mother and my grandmother. And um, they were pretty amazing, strong women who always put education first and who taught me to compete in a man's world. So that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing to grow up with that. It is. You know, it's funny. I think about people who grow up in um, a traditional family. You know, it's, it's strange for me to even think about it just because I have no frame of reference. Family. Yeah, I have no frame of reference for what that's like. But um, I think that it's important to have role models in your life, whether they're men or women, who show you that working hard for what you want is the goal, right? And that you should treat everyone with kindness and that you should work hard to achieve your goals. I think no matter if that person is a woman or a man, I think that's the important message that you need growing up. So yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and kind of talking about growing up, like what was the step-by-step process of getting you here to the city, becoming an actress? Becoming an actor? Oh, okay. And like moving forward from grad school. Sure. Well, that's pretty different too. Oh, sure is. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, it took me a long time. Some people start acting professionally very young. And um, I was not one of those people. I was very lucky that I went to a wonderful school. Shout out to Elmer Franklin School in Buffalo, New York. Um, and we did school plays every year mm-hmm. from the time we were in kindergarten. So I was very fortunate because a lot of people don't really get to do theater until they're in middle school or high school sometimes because arts programming in this country is suffering more and more every year. Mm-hmm. And the budgets are getting cut and music teachers are losing jobs. And it's just it's sad because kids really need art in their lives at that stage. So I was very lucky that I went to a school where we did plays that were often musicals. And so I did a play, you know, every year from kindergarten through fourth grade. And then in fifth grade, we still had a fifth and sixth grade musical and then seventh and eighth grade play. So I continued to do theater growing up, but it was always one of many things. I played a ton of sports growing up. I was a jock. I was very academically focused. I was in band. I was in chorus. I was editing the literary magazine. You know, I was always like an octopus, like the Roy Cohn monologue for the Women of Angels in America. Like that was me in middle school and high school and college too. So theater was always one of those tentacles. It wasn't, it wasn't ever the only one. But I would say when I was 12 is when I really realized that I might be good enough to do this for a job. That was sort of the first time that I had thought of it in that perspective. Um, I was mishandling in sixth grade. And that's, that was one of those moments where I realized, oh, this is different. Yeah. So, and so that's, what, that's when you decided to pursue it. Not even. This is oh, what's so funny. Okay. So then I have that moment and I continue to pursue it and I continue to do summer theater, but I was never allowed to do any professional theater that conflicted with school. So in Buffalo, we actually have a wonderful theater community. There's a theater for youth. There's a bunch of experimental theater in Buffalo. There's Irish classical theater. We have a lot of theater companies in Buffalo. And some of my friends who were also acting at the time were able to be excused from class to participate in these shows, but I was never allowed to. My mom never let me do anything that required me to miss class. I also was not allowed to audition for American Idol when I was 16 because she was convinced I would make it and then I would have to, you know, miss school. So, 
anyway, so I, uh, so I didn't do any professional theater growing up at all. And then I went to high school and I went to a school that only did plays. There were no musicals. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of a shock because I had made my start in musical theater and it ended up being a real blessing because I had to become a good actor. I really had to focus in on just acting without anything else, without music or dance, just acting. And it's a different skill set. It was a different skill set. And my teacher, shout out to Kristen Trip Kelly. She's on her way to Edinburgh to do a show at the Fringe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really the first person that I met who had an MFA, who had gone through conservatory training and acting. And that was really the first time that idea was planted in my head. But that was a possibility that you could go get a master's in this, you know, mm-hmm. and really train. And so... Then I went to college, still not doing, I, before I went to college, I still didn't do any professional theater. I did one production of A Chorus Line, and I got paid like $20 or something. Yay. So, yeah, it was great. Um, but when I was deciding on where to go to college, there was a question of whether or not I would go to conservatory or just, you know, a liberal arts school, but I was going to go for music. I was going to go for classical voice. So I wasn't even going to go for acting then. Um, And I ended up making the decision that I wasn't at the point in my life where I was ready to narrow down to one field. I really enjoyed many subjects and I had so many interests and I just wasn't prepared to put all of my eggs in one basket. So I ended up going to the University of Chicago, which was a fabulous school. And I got the liberal arts education that I wanted and took a bunch of calculus and different language classes and still got to do theater classes. And I ended up majoring in comparative literature, which was a specialization in French and British literature. And then I ended up with a minor in theater and performance studies, kind of by accident, just because I took enough classes. So, yeah. And then why did you continue? I just, why did it, I don't know. No, I wish, I wish I had a better answer for you. Um, it got to a certain point where I couldn't imagine my life without it. Mm. And Really what happened in college was I did a production called Plath Hughes, which was a musical duet about Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes, in which I played Sylvia Plath. And I did the show on and off for about four years, and it ended up coming to New York, which is very exciting. Um, And that show put myself on the map. To me, I realized I was good enough to do this professionally and that I wanted to, that I wanted to impact people for a living. Mm-hmm. and tell stories that I thought needed to be told. And so by the time my senior year rolled around, I was thinking of applying to graduate programs for literature, PhD programs. I had sort of thought, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, become a professor, become a teacher, maybe even teach high school English, like my favorite teachers. And then I decided, or I could just apply to MFA programs. And I did, and I took the GRE just in case, and I never used it because I never did any PhD applications. Because I got in. I was lucky. I was so, so, so lucky. I want to stress that because MFA programs are so competitive and there are so many elements that go into admission. And I was incredibly blessed to get into not only one, but multiple programs to have a choice. And I ended up choosing the new school for drama, which is where I went right after graduating in Chicago. I started the next year. Wow. Yeah. And then, then now you're out of grad school. I'm out. So, so what is, what does life look like at that? look like now without being in school i know fall is coming up so it's it's really like i should be back in it well it's really strange because i spent my entire life in school i was in school for 23 consecutive years or something like that 
you know, crazy because I went right from undergrad to graduate school. Um, so for me, it's a very big adjustment. It's huge. I can't understand why I don't have 20 things to do every day or why I don't have three scenes to learn for the next three hours, you know? It's, it's very strange, and I don't do well with low. I function best when I am overwhelmed, which is not a healthy habit. I'm like, I'm totally happy to admit that that's not good. I don't advocate that for other people. But for myself, I function best when I'm just barely able to do everything I'm doing. Um, the stress of that somehow motivates me in a way that a normal schedule doesn't. So you try to set your own schedule. You try to, you know, go to auditions, do your self-tapes, go to the gym, do your own thing, see friends when you can, that kind of thing. So it's hard. I don't like it. I really don't like it. Yeah, because you are you have to be your own entrepreneur right now. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. So what do you think is the best part about being an actress? Mm. For me, the best part about being an actor is the amount of impact and change you can have on a person that you have never met. With the work that you create. Yeah. And I think now in this age with technology and just with the general aura of how people operate now, I think that connection is such a hard thing to find. Mm -hmm. And for someone in an audience in the dark, far away from you, to have a connection to whatever it is you're doing, whatever story you're telling, that maybe it pulls at their heartstrings or it makes them think about something from their life. That is why I do it. Have you had a rewarding experience with someone coming up to yes. you afterwards? And yes, you talk about I've, that? Oh, I've had a couple of them. I'm trying to think of one. I, it's it, those are what you you do it for that moment. You know, you do it to touch someone, but. Um, in particular, when I was doing Clap Hughes, I had a lot of people approach me who struggled with mental illness. And it was incredibly moving to hear people who had either attempted to take their own life or who had struggled with manic depression themselves. Some people, I even met one woman who came up to me after the New York production. Um, she had undergone electroshock therapy. And in the show, yes, I know, and in the, which people don't realize that's still used by the way. It's much safer now. And it's uh, much more regulated. But uh, but at any rate, this woman came up to me and she said, you know, that scene with the electroshock therapy it really resonated with me. And I want to mm -hmm. thank you for, you know, doing your research and due diligence. So that's always wonderful when you impact someone or when you make someone. My favorite is if you're playing the bad guy or the quote unquote villain of something and a person in the audience says, I felt bad for you. Mm -hmm. I actually sympathize with you. You got, you got me. You got me to feel and to realize that you were a human too. That's mm -hmm. really helpful. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what tools do you find indispensable for achieving your acting goals? Like, what do you need every day to, to make it all work, come together? You need endurance and resolve. Those are two things that a friend of mine who's also an actor, you know, when you're, when you're friends with actors, you sort of talk amongst yourselves about this. But one thing that my friend mentioned to me recently is endurance and resolve are really the two things that are going to keep you going. You yes. have to have personal endurance, emotional endurance, mm -hmm. and you have to have the resolve to keep showing up at the audition. It seems like you could 
can apply to any industry. Too. Sure. Like you have to have endurance and resolve for, for anything, for anything that you do to yeah. get through the day, even if you have PMS or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I mean, there are so many jobs that require your full dedication. Mm-hmm. And I think now for better or for worse, the way that our society has shifted is that work has really become a huge priority for most people that now work is taking over a lot of what used to be family time. Mm-hmm. And you need to figure out how to comfort yourself. That's something that I hear from a lot of people who have been in the business a lot longer than I have in the acting business is with the amount of rejection that comes with it. You have to find a way to be able to be okay with yourself, to be alone with yourself, to help yourself get through the hard times, because of course you'll always have, I hope a, a network of people who support you. That's so important to have a team behind you, whether that's your family or your chosen family or your friends. Um, but really a lot of that has to come within you, you know? And how do you find that? Like, how do you reduce I have a therapist. overwhelm? <laughs> or yeah. How, how does that, yeah. how does that work? You're, how do you reduce your stress? How do you sure. reduce overwhelm or? Well, as an actress or all joking aside, I think, yeah, all joking aside, I think a therapist, everyone should have one. I mean, I don't think that I think there's such a stigma still with mental health in this country and in other countries. But I think in order to process what you deal with, you need an external eye sometimes. So for Mm -hmm. me, it's very helpful to talk things out with my therapist or to figure out a plan. If something is going to happen, we know it might stimulate certain anxiety ticks in me or something like that to figure out a preemptive way to try to deal with it, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. That, that can be helpful to have a professional helping you with that sort of thing. Also, I'm going to say it, but I don't always follow it, trying to eat well, trying mm-hmm. to get a lot of exercise, yeah. because I do notice when I slip on my diet, which I don't mean diet to lose weight, I mean just what I eat, um, when I start to eat more processed foods or something like that, you feel it physically. It slows you down. You feel kind of tired. Um, if you eat a lot of processed oh, sugar, yeah, right. you, I was just going to say, if you eat a lot of processed sugar, the spikes, the ups and downs of your energy level is so unsettling. Um, so diet's a huge part of it. Exercise is a huge part of it. But the other thing is also, I think, self-patience, self-love really learning to accept yourself and to forgive yourself for little things along the way because life's hard enough. So if you're beating yourself up, that's just not helpful, which I still do it. I'm not going to you know, pretend that I don't, but I'm working on it. So that's great. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for those tips. Yeah. Um, moving on to like a lighter subject. Um, what is the most unusual thing you've ever seen in New York city? Well, there are always those guys with the animals, like the snakes. I saw a guy the other day on the street, and he had like a whole collection of animals. It wasn't. It was like I think I've seen that iguana. Yeah, you know. It was like, but also like guinea pigs. It was so random. It was like a collection of animals. Parrots. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's that guy, and then also you know, the traditional gross stuff on the subway. People (laughs) like vomiting and other bodily functions happening. (laughs) That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have a good one, though. When I was eight, and it was my first trip to New York, I went to the Empire State Building, and there was one of these crazy guys, like, trying to get a ticket or something, and he was screaming. 
at the top of his lungs. And I was so, I was scared, right? I was a little kid. And my mom and my Aunt Barbara, who were with me, were like, listen, that's who you are. <laughs> and I, that was my first Welcome. introduction. It was like crazy random guys screaming. <laughs> and they were right, because I still see a lot of crazy guys randomly screaming. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and what are you looking forward to this last month of summer? Okay, let me begin with I hate summer. That's I know, horrible. I know, I know. What is wrong with you? Well, a lot, but we don't have time to get into that. <laughs> um, no, I, you know what? I am not a hot weather person. Okay, I am a buffalo. Fun. I'm a buffalo snowbody. Yeah, and I'm just not meant for this situation. So I'm looking forward to get it getting cooler. <laughs> yeah. So, so what are you looking forward to with fall? Fall, I love leaves. I love foliage. I love when leaves change. I love going to Central Park and seeing the leaves change. Um, I know that's such a like kind of corny thing to do, but I love that. Um, I, I am excited for a big project that's happening next month. I've written my first play. Ooh. Yes, which is really exciting. I've been a writer since I was a kid, I wrote poetry and short stories and, you know, essays and that sort of thing. And I finally wrote a full-length play with my dear friend, Eric Shoemaker, and we're workshopping it in August in New York. So I'm excited exciting. to get that rolling. And, see how that's cool. Cool. and I'm acting in it as well, which is funny. So oh, that's exciting. yeah, it'll cool. be great. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have any fall traditions um, that you have for the city? Fall I mean, you said kind of like looking at the leaves in Central Park. You know what's funny? A lot of the fall holidays, like Halloween and that sort of stuff, um, it's been a long time since I've actually celebrated that. Because I'm almost always in rehearsal. Oh, okay. I I know that sounds sounds terrible, but it's been like three or four years since I've actually celebrated Mm -hmm. Halloween. Because I'm always in a show in the fall. I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and, and that's something the best. I know, and that's something kind of interesting to talk about too. Is for people who work and people who have demanding jobs where you don't get holidays off. It's kind of um, it's kind of funny because some of your friends get it and some of them don't, mm-hmm. and they will say things like, "Why aren't you available? Why aren't you this? You're always in rehearsal," yeah. and that can be a very tough part of being an actor because. You don't really get to make your schedule. I mean, you do to a certain degree because you agree to whatever projects you do. But a rehearsal schedule is very intense for a full-length production. And it really does limit your social life. And you do have to make a lot of sacrifices. You don't get to see friends as much when you're at rehearsal. You don't get to go home and see your family as much. You know, it's you have to miss weddings, you, things like that. It's, it is a big sacrifice, so... Let's talk about your social life a little oh, more. Oh, boy. <laughs> so um, I want to know, like, um, what do you think it means to be, like, Alexandra, a woman today? Oh. Um, God. Do you know what's so funny? What? Um, a man would never be asked that question. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and and I, I was, think it's, but I think I think it's interesting and yeah. good for us to think about. It is. I wish we lived in a world where I could say to be a woman right now just means to be a human being. I wish I could say that, but I can't. I think to be a woman now means to hold your head up. I think it means to stop apologizing for yourself and for your dreams. And I think it means going after your goals with all of your heart. I think that's what it means now to be a woman. It's just to do what you want to do without apologizing for it 
and to keep your head up if you keep getting kicked out. That's, I think that's a great definition for yeah. it. Um, and then I'm also curious, like something that the Jubilance women have really struggled with is like being sidelined for med- by medical care because it's like yeah. about your uterus or it's about your body or... And women are embarrassed yeah, to talk and it's, about it. It's hard to talk about. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience like that? Being oh, sidelined sure. by a doctor or... Oh, like, sure. Oh, here's some Tylenol. Just take that. Right. Well, I actually, I actually had very... My whole family, the women in my family had very, very bad cramps. Like, yeah. deliberate, like, really, I mean, bad. To the point where I would be, like, next to the toilet on the floor. Just having my period. This is not like I'm having any. Every yeah, month. Right. Every month. Is that and nice. it got to the point where when I was going to college, I realized I can't do this. I can't miss class because of this. I mean, how stupid is that? So finally, I ended up going to my gynecologist. And I ended up going on the pill, which did help. Oh, that's good. And it lessened my symptoms and yeah. I was able to function. I know. Yeah, it helps some women. But it doesn't. Others, for, everybody. for everyone else. I know. It's, so it's I I always recommend also, I think a lot of women wait until they're in their 20s to see a gynecologist. Like a lot of women don't go when they're teenagers. It's embarrassing. Right. Yeah, but I everyone should go. Into my 20s. <laughs> I know. I want to tell everyone, go to a yeah. gynecologist, even if you're not sexually active at the time, even if you don't think you need to, go to a gynecologist. I was very lucky that my mom actually had a cyst when she was in high school or early college that was detected by a doctor, and then she ended up having to go to a gynecologist. Oh. So from the time I was little, she was very proactive with making sure that I didn't have the same problem. So I started going to a gynecologist when I was 16 or 17 years old. That's great. Yeah, just yeah. for medical purposes because yeah. everybody has different issues and you have to stay healthy. Yeah, and it's hard, it's hard to talk about. It's yeah. still it's still hard for us it's, as women to talk about. It's frustrating, and I know women who to this day have you know these cramps that they can't they can't get out of bed, and sometimes they have to miss work or something. Yeah. And unfortunately, there is this taboo where it feels like that's not a real excuse or something to get out of work or to get out of rehearsal or if yeah. you're really if you're really ill, but. I think, first of all, if you are experiencing that level of pain and torment, then you definitely need to go to a gynecologist and a regular doctor, too, mm-hmm. primary care physician, and figure out a solution, because it shouldn't be cramping your lifestyle, <laughs> I yeah. mean, to use a pun, but really, you should be able to go to work and do what you need to do and not be affected by it. Yeah, and not just be dismissed by a doctor. No, that's, that's the other thing, too. You have to have a good doctor. Which is a hard thing to find in a country where our healthcare system is crazy. Yeah. So, um, so we've kind of been talking about problems today we face as women. Do, do you have yeah. other things that you want to bring up um, to the table? Um, I do. I would like everyone to register to vote. If you are not registered to vote, I need you to register immediately. Um, we've got a lot of important elections coming up. One of them is the presidential election. But more importantly, we've got a lot of important key Senate seats coming up. And what people don't realize, I think, a lot of the time is that those elections in your local elections are important because without a majority in any of those areas, in the House or in the Senate, laws don't get passed. We could have a Democratic, wonderful president and nothing could get passed because of the Senate and the House. So um, definitely vote. (laughs) Watch the debate tonight. There's one debate tonight. Watch that. And definitely vote for whoever you're feeling. Yeah. Be a Republican or a Democrat Doesn't on this matter. podcast, on this live Facebook. Yeah. But 
Um, just want to put that out there. You should vote. Yeah. Get your voice heard. There are a lot of countries uh, that are literally fighting for a right to vote. So um, please. And we fought for yeah. that as women. So please don't throw that away. A hundred years ago. Yeah. yeah. The turnout needs to be better this yeah. time around. So that's one thing. And then also, um, I really am very focused on the environment right now. Mm -hmm. uh, I have since... May, I have not had any single-use plastic iced coffee or iced tea container. Mm. Since April or May, I have not had any of those from coffee wow. shops or anything. Yeah. That's and amazing. Do you bring something to the I bring something shop? with okay. me, or I buy coffee and make it at home in a more environmentally conscious way, or I mm. buy concentrate that's packaged in glass bottles. Oh, mm -hmm. interesting. So, um... The environment is really struggling, you guys. It's really bad. And by 2030, climate change is going to have impacts that are going to be irreversible if we don't start. So I really encourage you to not use plastic straws when you can, to not use plastic to-go cups when you can, and also just to think about where your food comes from. You know, I like shopping at the farmer's market. That's my secret. So good. It's the best. It and just it tastes better. Yes, because it comes from local farms. Yeah. It's not processed. I mean, it's we're still not at Europe's level of fresh produce, but you know. Oh man, I know. I know. Please, I know. We shouldn't talk about it. Like the same. No. <laughs> Where do you think your gender has hurt or helped you? Hmm. That's interesting. I don't want to like. I don't want to say that I've like, used my feminine. Miles, you know, for good and not evil. I kind of used to make that joke, and now I'm backed away from it because that feels outdated to me. But definitely, there are moments where I've had to play up a damsel in distress kind of thing to get mm -hmm. what I want, mostly from men. Huh. Um, and I don't like doing that. I really don't. So I don't do it anymore. But I occasionally used to mm. um, because I would find that they would be less combative. I was a little bit more submissive and calm. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but I think it's helped me because I think women are superheroes. And I think it's helped me deal with so many things that come up in this world and having perspective on what really matters. Hmm. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, not, yeah, I think not sweating the small stuff is, you know, women's specialty. Um, we got bigger things to worry about. <laughs> what are some concrete ways we can still continue to fight for gender equality? Sure. So I mean, first of all, something we still need to talk about. If you don't know, um, women still don't make the same amount of, as men. Pay equality still doesn't exist. We women, just saw that in the football tournament. I mean, like the World Cup. Yes. Yeah. I mean, pay these women. They're winning. <laughs> it's crazy. How much they're 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 literally yeah. like actually beating the pants off of the men's team. And the men's team is great. I still support them, but I'm just saying it's really it's embarrassing. Um so pay equality is huge. Um in the acting business, I've really been appreciative of a bunch of male actors recently who refuse to be paid less who refuse their co-stars to be paid less than they are. Oh. So there are a lot of awesome dudes out there. Shout out to Bradley Whitford, who's an awesome feminist actor. And he is very clear when he signs on to things that if there's a woman that's his equal, let's say they're both series mm -hmm. regulars on a television show, they have to be paid the same. That's great. There are a ton of men that are doing this now, which oh. is really awesome. Um, I want to say Keanu Reeves also did this recently because oh. he's so awesome. Of course he did. 
Yeah. Um, so men, that's a really huge thing. If you are in a position of power, you can advocate for women to be paid correctly. That's something that men can do if they're at the in the position to do that. Um, you can donate to organiza organizations like Emily's List, which raises early money for female candidates for politics and all across the board from presidential to you know, local elections. Mm -hmm. um, there are a million great organizations that you should look into about abortion rights in this country and the right to choose. So that's a huge thing to support organizations that are making sure there's affordable health care for women everywhere. Mm -hmm. And like we said, vote and worry about the environment. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and if a woman walked up to you asking your advice um, and you only had a few minutes to give them like mm -hmm. just your best tip about um, like either being an actress or like fighting for women's rights, um, what would be your tip? Just, just one, one and out. Yeah. You are enough. That's great. Yeah. yeah. You are enough. And I think one of my acting teachers, shout out to Audrey Francis. Um, from Chicago said that to me in an acting class when I was in college. And while at the time I didn't process it as any kind of feminist statement, it was more just about being an actor. I think that it can be applied to being a woman in today's world. I think there is still this thought in a lot of women's minds that they have to try and prove that they're better than men or equal to men. And I, I really want us to get rid of that concept of having to prove yourself. You are enough. You can write a show. You could be a showrunner. You could be a director. You know, we need to stop telling ourselves that we might not be good enough or we might not be ready yet. If we never actually do the opportunities, we won't find out. Yeah. So you are good enough. You are enough. And Alexandra, what's next for you? Well, so you talked play. about your play. That yeah, the play. And, and then, then I just started filming a series regular role on Asunder the Series, which is an online soap opera on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah, so when is that going to come out? So post-production will happen in October or November. So my episodes won't be available for a while, but you can follow my social media and stay tuned there. Amazing. And then we have some, like, more fun oh, yes. ending Let's questions. Oh, yes. questions. Okay. Um, okay, so Purple. what's... I don't know. I'm just <laughs> throwing out an answer. <laughs> okay, what's the best book you've ever read on mm. the plane? On a train. Best? Like, yeah, go. go oh, okay. Go. I Literature. just read it. The Tiger's Wife. I just oh. read it. And it's by Taya Obrecht. And her new book is coming out. And it's about former Yugoslavia, which is where my people come from. I'm Macedonian and Croatian. And German, too. But, you know. Uh, and it's incredible. Uh, it's an incredible story about what that world was like, the different wars that took place throughout Yugoslavia and the Balkan lands and uh, just about that culture and about the importance of animals in our society too. It's huh. really special to me because I have a little kitty. Oh, oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. And her um, new book comes out this fall. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. Huh. I'll, I'll look it up. Mm -hmm. um, when did you first start your period? Because we're a oh, PMS yeah. support. Is it bad that I, I, like this is a seminal moment that I don't It remember. is a seminal moment. Oops. Um, what? I know. I don't remember. Oh, my gosh. Mine was horrifying. Oh, was he? I feel like oh. you only were, like, you know what's so funny? I remember my friends, okay. which I won't share here. I yeah. know who you are if you're watching. Um, <laughs> That's okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like, because hers was dramatic. Yeah. I just felt but it was dramatic. Mine, mine it wasn't that I was like, dramatic. why is this happening? I think, I want to say seventh grade. Okay. Great. So 13? Yeah. And 
who first told you about like having your period? My mom. I think oh. my mom talked about it. I yeah. don't. I don't recall any crazy. You know, sit down. Like, let's get serious. Once a month, you're going to be absolutely help. But my family, my mom and my grandma, both talked to me about it quite often because, like I mentioned, our family had such bad cramps. <laughs> like, this was a generational thing that my family was very open about making sure if I had that too, that they, that I knew it was normal and not to freak out. That's great. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's good to be able to talk about that. And like, yeah. that's what we hope with jubilance that all women can begin to sort of sure. have this conversation, especially to the mothers out there. I think like you really, you really can't be afraid to discuss this sort of thing with your kids because they're scared. You know, it, I know a lot of my friends who had their periods young, you know, that got them younger in life or that, got them before their parents had talked to them. It was terrifying, you know? And in, in a couple of cases, my mom and grandma were there for my friends to kind of be their guardian in that moment. But I just think it's not the end of the world. It's not It's not taboo. It's a natural occurrence that happens to people. And I think also, um, I think everybody should be taught it regardless of gender, because as, as you know, a lot of viewers may or may not know, you may not be a man and you may still have a period, you know? We have a different world now where people are able to realize what their gender, their true gender is. So I want to make sure that the conversation is inclusive to everyone, not just people who are female at birth. Um, and anything else you'd like to add? Anything else? Wow. Well, let's see. I would love everyone to watch the last season of Beep if you watched it because okay. it's so good I I seen that. it's so good um i guess what i would say is don't waste too much time doing something that isn't putting you on the path to what you actually want to do i'm starting to try and practice that to practice what i preach because you know a lot of actors i'm not alone in this um have side hustles or work multiple jobs i was just with my friend and he works two jobs and he was just saying to me I don't have time to actually be preparing for these auditions that I want to be going on. So whatever it is that you're doing to make ends meet, to keep everything going, do that, but don't let it totally compromise what you actually want to do. And I'm going to try and listen to that too. <laughs> Thank you so much, Thank Alexandra. Thank you for having me. So you can follow Alexandra's journey through theater, through um, activism on her Instagram at Alexandra Merritt Matthews with one T. Um, or you can go to www.alexandramerrittmatthews.com. Or uh, Twitter. If you're still into oh, Twitter, Twitter, you can follow me at AMM Alexandra. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. 